you know, we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love some of what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference for something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through on my way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Welcome in to another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. It's August 25th, guys. Cannot believe it's already August 25th. We're less than two weeks away from the fantasy football season, the NFL regular season, about to kick off just here really soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. You guys know us. We're going to combine some feel-good life advice as well as some fantasy football advice for you. I'm Seth Woolcock. You can find me on the Twitter bird at between underscore Seth FF. You know my right-hand man, Nate Polvo, always out there on the bird at Janate Jack FF. And our boy Scott Reinier at Munder Difflin FF. Scott, Nate, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Uh, happy to be here. Sporting my new Cordell Stewart jersey. <laughs> Go Cordell Stewart. My Probably one of my favorite players of all time. And uh, shout out Herms for uh, getting this for me. It was very, 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 very awesome of him. Dope. Yeah, that's a that's a sick jersey. Um, Dude, I I've been looking for one of these forever. So I'm sure. I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm excited. I'm just excited for the season to start. It feels like it's been a long off season. I mean, it's my first off season here, but I want to see what actually starts to happen. Yeah. Yep. All the speculation we've been doing for months. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, back here in State College, boys. Uh, school's back in session. Campus is buzzing. Weather beginning to break a little bit in Pennsylvania as well. And sweet, sweet football right around the corner, guys. We're this close to football. Today's episode is going to be a very special one. We're going to have special guests bringing on, learn a little bit more about them and their brand. But also we're going to break down some of this latest injury news, some of the trade news going on. Sony Michelle today gets traded to the Rams. That was exciting. Travis Etienne, not so exciting, goes down to a season-ending injury. We're going to break all this down, what it means for your redrafts coming up here in the next couple of weeks, or if you already drafted as well. Guys, it's been a crazy busy time here in between media. Nate, we just got back from the Fantasy Football Expo. Also just put out our draft guide as well. We'll put a lot of time into this draft guide. Scott, you and I, and our guy Dave Fantasy, we put in some projections, um, which have already already changed quite a bit. Yep. First time doing projections and rankings, I'm realizing how tedious it can get, especially as, as injuries mount, as depth charts change. Yep. But I mean, it's part of it. So it's a good experience. Yeah. There's been some, you know, some pretty major stuff happening the last couple of weeks. Yeah. We've been busy. It's good to be busy. We like being busy. Yeah. Great time at the fantasy football expo as well. A couple of weeks ago, want to shout out everyone, Bob Lung and that whole gang out there draft night out, did an awesome job. Everyone who was involved in that um, 
thankful to meet you guys, you know, everyone we did. Hope to be back next year as well. Guys, tonight on the show, we do have a very special guest, someone who's been a big fan of In Between Media, and we've been a big fan of their work as well. This guy is, we're going to bring him in. His name is Jaywalk. He is the writer, editor, and illustrator at Jaywalk Media. Jaywalk, what's up, brother? What's going on? How are you guys doing? Great, man. Happy to have you. Thanks for coming on with us. I get to personally say thank you because I was on a flight to Vegas for my home league draft. And I see just a tweet like, get our package, get our draft package. And I'm like, I'm like, oh crap, I don't have time to like enter my information and stuff. So I just like commented and I was like, hey, can I just Venmo you guys 10 bucks or something like that? I end up getting the package and right before my draft, I had an hour and I looked through all your guys' stuff. And I was, there's some stuff I agreed with, some stuff I didn't agree with, but like <laughs> it definitely gave me a good backbone and like good, good uh, place to like look at where my rankings were and where you guys were at. I took uh, Nate's advice and I definitely took Williams from Denver, which as a Raiders fan pains me, but that kid has some balance and footwork that is absolutely amazing. He has patience behind blocking. I mean, he is the full package and I think he has the opportunity to. And with Teddy there, sky's the limit in my opinion. Absolutely. And we, what we've seen from him so far this preseason, um, I'm really pleased. I think that he's going to be everything that we hoped, maybe even a little bit more. I don't know how much we see of Melvin Gordon this season, honestly. Yeah, Williams to me, he just he feels like that that guy every year where you can't really rank him any higher, but you know he's going to be way more valuable after a few weeks. You just you yep. just know it. Um, this time next year, you know he'll be ranked, barring any kind of injury, he'll be ranked much higher than where he is now. Excited for you, Nate. I remember I remember your reaction during the draft when that selection was made. You were. A I was of, a lot of LFGs and fire emojis. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. Um, I was pretty stoked, man. We need that talent at running back. And especially with the terrible quarterback situation here, I just got to have somebody to carry the team. It might be Javante. It just might be Javante. And by carry them, I mean, get them to like six or seven wins. <laughs> it really has kind of been a, been a crazy off season from everything we, we've seen these last couple of weeks. Like now guys like Javante Williams are really rising up the board um, where a couple of weeks ago we weren't all that bullish on them. Um, I, I can honestly remember a couple months ago we, we all said that Javante really wasn't on our radar. ADP was definitely outweighing the possible production there. But things have quickly changed in the fantasy football industry. We're going to break this all down later in the show, guys. But first, I, I do want to dig a little bit more into Jaywalk. Jaywalk, on the surface, man, where, where can our – Twitter, Twitter followers, where can all, all everyone streaming in tonight find you, man? So uh, instead of giving out all my personal stuff, I'd rather just give out uh, the website and the company's information at Jaywalk Media, J-E-A-W-O-K Media. And uh, you can find us at uh, www.jaywalk.com. Uh, we're basically a blog. I try to get student writers and it's basically a portfolio builder for young writers who don't get a shot anywhere else. I do pride myself in being a blog that pays writers. And I mean that in not a jerk sense. I mean that in just that I want to make sure that I get the best quality in and to get the best product out. And I found that that's the best way to incentivize people personally. And it's also as an editor makes it easy for me to be really honest with what I want. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the way I do it there. If you want me to get into it, I think the website kind of goes hand in hand with my life and all the changes that have been happening with it. Cause that, that was kind of what I focused all my energy into once I kind of, I had kind of a life changing event a couple years ago, whenever you guys want me to get started on, on where I'm from and, and my story, 
you guys just let me know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to jump into that, guys. We're going to get into that in our weekly advice segment. Jaywalk's going to kind of give us his background, give us a little life advice moving forward. This week, guys, I am really proud to announce that weekly advice is presented by Stevens Quality Barbering Services out of Kerwinsville, PA. Guys, I've been going to Stevens Quality Barbering Services now for almost six plus years. Um, This is my guy, Noah. Um, he has been lining me up, lining hundreds of other people up in the Clearfield, Center County area, wherever you guys are from in Western Central PA. Make sure you check him out over there. He's going to get the job done. You're going to have a quality conversation with him and you're going to have a quality experience. Um, if you want to book an appointment, go to stevensquality.genbook.com, book an appointment. Again, quality haircut, quality conversation, and a quality experience over there at Stevens Quality Barbering Service. And I can cool. attest that Seth's hair looks amazing <laughs> in person. I was super impressed with that haircut, man. Absolutely. Um, all right, guys, let's head into some weekly advice. Weekly. Weekly. All right, Jay Walk. So to catch up our listeners right now, we know a little bit about you. We know you're the owner of Jay Walk Media. We also know that you're from the California area, had a life-changing event two years ago. So I'm just going to hand you the floor, bro. Cool. Tell us what's what's up, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself because I feel like our audience can definitely take something away from this story. Oh, for sure. So I think I got to start 10 years ago. My life was a lot different and I had a, so basically my dad died from a freakish event that was unforeseeable. He had an infection in his blood and he took a flight to Portland and his blood oxidized, went into his liver, created an infection in his liver that went to his kidneys. He died three days later. It was really tough because I saw him die right in front of me and it scarred me pretty bad. So I'm in college at San Diego State and I'm playing rugby at the time. And what I did to cope with my grief was that I just made myself super busy. I worked as a chef at a restaurant. I was actually the chef de jour at the time. And I got to a pretty high point. I was getting paid very well. I was also playing rugby at San Diego State. I'd walked on the team and made the team just because I was so angry with my situation. I was so angry with reality. I was so, I I was angry at God, you know, like how I had been cursed this way, how, how my life had turned out this way. So basically, um, I was knocking heads for three years and the concussions, the broken ribs, torn triceps, you know, broken fingers kind of added up and I got, had to get retired. So when I retired from rugby, I was still part of the scene and I just became part of the party scene. And I would go to all the parties in college my senior year. And since my season was over, I just kept pouring into that. So I graduate from college. And it's basically this big life event that my dad isn't there for. And that's kind of when my life spiraled out of control. Cause then my, I lost purpose. I had, I was, my whole life was to make my dad proud, you know? And that one thing that I was missing kind of like gave me tunnel vision from like all the beautiful family I have, all the love I have for my friends and all that stuff. So I kind of basically started stuffing it down with booze and I got a really bad cocaine addiction. I don't want to get into too much specifics, but around 400 bucks a week. And when you're in the corporate world, I work in finance as an analyst and a uh, basically a corporate accountant. 
and it's a really hard grind. They whip you pretty hard and you do that for a couple years. You kind of don't know what the heck you're doing with your life. So I get to the point to where I'm drinking insane amounts. I'm doing a ton of drugs and I'm in so much pain that I just want to figure out a way to end it. And the only way I can end it is by killing myself. So I call my health insurance. I'm like, Hey, I had a, a, a life insurance out that my mom would get. And I thought that I was such a fuck up that the only way that I could make up my, for my entire life was that my mom would get a hundred thousand dollars if I died. And uh, I said, what has to happen for that to go through? And they said, well, it has to be, it has to be accidental, unforeseeable event. So they, okay, cool. I'm going to overdose. So one night weekend I'm on a bender and I, uh, I call out sick from work on Monday. I, and I, I'd been calling out sick a lot from my office and the drug test was coming. And I said, you know what? Fuck losing this job. Why don't I just do it now? I chug a bottle of Jack Daniels. I finish off like a couple grams of Coke, like within a 20 minutes. And then I take a Xanax bar and I fall asleep and thank God I woke up and I called the suicide help hotline right after when I woke up about five minutes later. And yeah, my, my story's dark. It's, it's disgusting. It's, it's scary and probably makes you very uncomfortable. But that moment right there, when I called that hotline is the best moment of my life, because from that moment right there, it was all a bounce back. So I end up going to rehab. I go to outpatient rehab. I kick the drugs. And then I realize I keep relapsing on drugs every time I drink. So then within the year, I drank about five times. And then I finally gave it a quit. I gave it quits and I stopped drinking. Then I stopped doing drugs. Then I'm still so pissed at the world. I'm still so angry. I still have all this violence behind me. I'm like, what the heck am I mad about? And I have all these feelings coming back. And I'm realizing that my, I never got over my dad's death. I never got over my all these deaths in my life. I have a friend, one of my best friends growing up was killed by the police in Fresno. Um, you know, I have a lot of, uh, my family has a lot of history with organized crime. So I have a lot of cousins my age that were murdered and like, not as a pity party, but just like, you know, as a child, it'll really scar you and you really don't feel safe. And like, it's really tough to grow up and like have a fruitful childhood when you kind of have to watch your back a little bit. So I go through that rehab, I get sober, and I'm still angry. So I figure out that there is a grief recovery program. I get in the program and then it just all starts washing away all this pain. I start forgiving all these people I hadn't forgiven. I start getting to a point where like my sobriety is not even the problem. Like it was never the booze. It was just the fact that I had to hide this pain. I had to, and as a man, what are we supposed to do when you're hurt? Hide it, suck it up. Don't cry. You ain't, you know what I mean? And like, I can tell you, if you want to know your weekly advice, the manliest thing I ever did in my life was getting help by far mm -hmm. because I did it for people I don't even know. I did it for my yeah. kids that aren't here yet. I did it for my wife that I haven't met yet. I did it for my mom. I did it for like people that are in my family who were alcoholics before my alcoholic father or that my alcoholic uncles or grandfather. You know, it's like this is some like deep stuff that has been so I'm Native American and Hispanic. So like that whole alcohol thing, like it, it rubs me a little wrong, you know, just because it has a history of really hurting people that look like me.
But when I got sober, I started the website and I'd been, I was always, when I was drinking, I was always this, I'm going to do this, that, the other, I'm going to, you know, start writing. I'm going to start writing movies, scripts. I'm going to do this, that. And then it was never anything. Then I was like, I have all this time that I'm not going out to bars. I'm not going to try to be a bar fly, do this, that. So I'm, I'm going to start writing more because I used to write short stories, poetry. And like, I, I, I write like a freak. I write all the time. I journal and stuff. So I start focusing everything into that website. And then, you know, one thing after the other, I start having like pieces go into other websites and I start, uh, I become part of the fantasy football community last year and I start writing fantasy and, you know, football was always an escape for me because like I'm the sober guy in our group and like, I'm kind of the clean cut guy, but I'm the meanest when it comes to fantasy. <laughs> if your player, if your player gets hurt, you're getting a, a skull emoji from me. Just like, sorry, like already. Yeah, my friend had Etienne and he called me a really bad word in our group chat. And then I, and then Etienne got hurt and I sent him like, your team sucks. I can't hope you get last, blah, blah, blah. But on, ter <laughs> on terms of, of life advice, I, I can tell you right now, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Like every day is like such a blessing. Like um, I, I just, I do all these fun things and like, the things that's crazy about not drinking is like, I'm having more fun than I've ever had. I'm partying harder than all my friends. They're all passing out at like one or two. I'm still out at like three, four gambling, having fun, you know, at the casino. And like, I can definitely attest that like when it comes to grief and losing someone, there's a, a physical pain. There's an emotional pain because it, it hits you in an extent existential place because you have to face your own mortality in the face. When I saw my dad's tombstone, it read Joaquin Vasquez on there and it scared the dog shit out of me. So I ran for like a decade and now I finally got caught up and now I'm not a little boy anymore. I'm not, I don't have Peter Pan syndrome anymore. I face my fear. If I have an issue, I tackle it. You know what I mean? And it's just being like a, a, a real man about things, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not having to like pull punches, being honest all the time, you know? So like yeah. my, my, uh, character speaks for itself. My reputation speaks for itself. I, I really don't have, uh, any bad people in my life. I had to cut some bad people out, you know, from my old life and that was tough, but you grow and you know what I mean? That's just part of life. You got to just kind of ride the waves and go with it. But if you guys have any questions, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I, I want to pass the mic over to Scott. Scott, I feel like you have a pretty relatable story to this. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing all that first. You know, I have a similar story. And five years ago, if you would have told me, I'd be including it in columns I write that go out to Twitter and talking about it on podcasts. I would have I would have thought you were crazy. But no, I have a very similar story. Um, I'm fortunate enough that it wasn't, it wasn't started with a death of a parent, but I haven't had a sip of alcohol since 2007. So I, I, I gave up the alcohol pretty, quite a while. yeah, I mean, it was, it was the same kind of deal. It was absolutely and utterly necessary for me. You know, I tried, so, so yeah, so I've been, I've been clean. So I'm, a, I'm an addict, you know, all of it. I've been clean. I'll have five years in January. So wow. that's coming up. But I stopped drinking in 2007. The first time I got clean was 2006. So you 
it's it's not necessarily a straight path no but i had and i also had a similar experience in 2006 it was the first time i ever got clean so i was in my mid-20s i had no idea what was going on i didn't know i was an addict i just knew i was partying and i was like oh, i'm young and dumb it's okay and then i went through withdrawals for the first time off of narcotic painkillers and i thought i was gonna die like it was the worst thing ever and as i was going through that i like the girlfriend I had at the time was like, I'm, I'm done with this. So she flew home to Hawaii and I was like, oh, I got to go get her. So I flew, flew to Hawaii and then I was withdrawing there. And I like went to the ocean and I stood out in the water and I looked out in the water. I remember this, I'll never forget it. And I just, I didn't, I don't know how serious I was, but I was like, I, I, I have two options here. I can just go that way and it'd be over. Or I can go back to that world and get my shit together. So again, you know, I got clean then, relapse, clean, relapse, clean, relapse, clean. Here we are now. So, but I couldn't agree with you more that, and I mean, this, this wasn't really the case for me. I wasn't raised with the whole, if you're a man, you can't show weakness, all that crap. I wasn't raised like that. So, I mean, that it wasn't from, it wasn't like from my parents or anything like that, but I still, society in this country kind of teaches you that, unfortunately. And it was the same for me. Like, I was like, well, if I say anything to anybody, I'm weak. I'm just going to, I'm going to fix this on my own. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to consolidate all my debt and no one will ever have to know. And looking back now, it's like, that was so far from any shred of possibility just because it's not something we can do alone. Like, it's just not like I choose to attend um, Narcotics Anonymous. That's my recovery program. And I've been going to Narcotics Anonymous off and on since 2008. And, you know, it's, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of addicts in a room helping each other. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's where a lot of my, cause my presence on Twitter involves a lot of just like, Hey, how, how are you doing? Like reaching mm-hmm. out, figure, seeing how people are doing like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sony, Michelle, whatever. How are you doing? <laughs> so, and I think that's where it stems from. Like I used to be petrified of speaking in front of anyone. And now I've been to thousands of NA meetings where it's a group of strangers telling each other their deepest, darkest secrets. It's such a 180 that it's just gotten to the point where now I don't care. I, I don't care who knows. Like, I'm not ashamed of anything. This is me. This is who I am. It's just, it, what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's a, a glimpse of my story. Very similar. I related to pretty much every single word of what you said. And I agree with you. Like, I've never been happier, ever. Um, and now everybody, everybody I know has a permanent lifetime designated driver. So that works out for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, man, I, I super appreciate you coming on and telling, telling that part of yeah. your story. It, it, yeah. it means a lot. And, and what I found is I've gotten in conversations and DMS with people and but they're just like know. the other people that they're just like me, like mm-hmm. my problems are unique. No one else is struggling like this. Yeah. I'm so ashamed, but like, if people can just see more people talking about it, like this is pretty common. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know there's a lot of relatability from myself and Nate as well. Nate was a chef at an early age, so he's kind of been in that scene as well. I went through a pretty, you know, traumatic life experience in my late teens, early twenties, and you know, kind of did the same approach that you did as well, Jay Walk. Like, just stayed busy. You know what I mean? Just stayed busy and. And at some point you kind of have to face that. So, so that was a big takeaway that, that I had. And I definitely, definitely related to that as well. Nate, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this as well. You know, addiction has been a thing in my family, both sides, and it's been pretty severe. Um, 
So I, I mean, I have an aunt that I don't know if she's alive or not. I know that if she is, she's not doing well, but she wouldn't give it up. And no matter how bad she got taken off a liver transplant list because she couldn't stop drinking. Um, drug addiction has been a thing in my family and I'm not ashamed of it. And if anybody in my family watches this, I cannot tell you the nasty things they're going to say to me about it, but I don't care because everyone has this stuff in their life and to pretend that it's not there. All it does is hurt other people. Don't Mm -hmm. be ashamed of it. It's a part of my past. It's a part of who I am. It's in my family. It affected me my entire life. And still to this day is affecting. I having aunts and uncles that you don't know where they are because they bailed on the family because of a drug or alcohol addiction is a really weird way to grow up. When your uncle comes back around, you're like, oh, you're not dead. Oh, we assumed you were in a desert in Vegas, like in a shallow grave somewhere. Here you are. I don't know. I know that I ended up down a better road because I met Jen when I met her. She saved me from a lot of really bad outcomes in my life. And I've told her this many times. She got me out of the restaurant business, which was something that, I mean, Jaywalk, you know, if you want a drug, you can find a drug in about 20 seconds in a restaurant. It ain't hard. And when you get off and you're done working, you go to a house full of all of those same drugs. And that's just the way it is. It was all there for me. And she pulled me out of that whole life. And for that, I will forever be thankful. She got me away from some things that prop. And I've told her this. If I hadn't met her when I met her, more likely than not, I'm either dead or in jail right now. Those are probably the two paths I end up going down because I had no desire to change my life. I had no reason to. Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. care. And it wasn't that it wasn't that like my immediate family was nasty to me or didn't care. That wasn't it. I just didn't care. And I didn't feel like I really had much in the way of value, the way that my friendships had been in my life. So I just was going to party until I was dead or in jail, I guess. I mean, that's kind of the way it went. And she got to me before it got bad. Mm -hmm. And I will, but I hear you, man. I hear you. And I'm so glad that you came on tonight and that we're talking yeah. about this and having this conversation. I think it's a really important conversation to have, even in this space where we're all focused on fantasy football, but we're real people. That's why we do what we do here within between media and why I love doing it so much because we get to have these conversations. And I hope that anyone who listens to this, whether it's tonight or on the recorded on Friday, maybe catches it in a rewatch on Periscope or YouTube. It's okay to get help. You can get therapy. You can go see someone. You can talk to your friends about it. They're pro- and you know what? If you want, if you talk to your friends about something like this and they bag on you, then they they're not your they're not actually your friend. It's a really quick way to learn who is your actual friends and not. I wanted to start by saying thank you, Jay Walk, for sharing that story. That really moving. Scott, Nate, thank you guys for sharing yours as well. And these are the difficult conversations we have to have in life. And, you know, if you're someone my age, there's a chance maybe you haven't been affected by addiction. But I mean, I have more more times than I can count, you know what I mean, just by other people in my life. And hearing these stories has really helped me. And I, I hope it helps other people as well. The, you know, we always like to have takeaways and, and the key thoughts kind of going home. Jaywalk, I want to throw it back to you here. This is this is a very special week for you this week. Um, I, I'd like you to kind of explain what this week is to you. And then just at the end of the day, like if there's one thing like our audience can take home from this discussion, what is it? So uh, last Wednesday was three years since I had touched cocaine. 
And today is two years since I've had a drink of alcohol. And it's a true, Woo. this is a, a true story of the last time I drank. I was, it was my fantasy draft and all my friends came to uh, San Diego and we were at the hard rock pool party. And this Portuguese girl came up to me and she was very beautiful and she put a beer in my face and I took it and I chugged it. <laughs> and that was, and then after that I drank like three beers. and I was like, I feel like trash. I was like, this is, I was like, it just, I didn't enjoy it. And then I realized I did it for a girl that like didn't end up panning out. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to really take this seriously. But the biggest thing I would say for my advice to anybody would be don't be afraid to put in the work. Cause at the end of the day, that's really what stopped me from wanting to do it. I was afraid of what I was going to find. I was afraid about who I was going to be at the other end. I was afraid of being in excruciating emotional pain that I'd been stuffing down for years. You know what I mean? Having to, having to bring up stuff from my childhood that was really uncomfortable for me to bring up, having to bring up stuff about like my family and like forgiving people that I was mad at, you know what I mean? And like now the way I look at it, it, religion, God, spirituality, or just life in general is just for me, it's just searching for peace. That's, that's all I'm doing for. I'm searching for peace. And then I'm looking, I do a lot of yoga and one of the yoga gurus says in life, all we really are, are a bunch of children walking each other home. And, you know, that's, that's all I am. I'm helping everybody walk home, man. And like, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to be here for a long time. And from someone who wished they were dead, I'm, I now I was in, I was meditating the other day and I, I said, man, my dad died in 54 I, at 54. I have an uncle that died at 40. I was like, you know what? I'm going to outlive them both combined. And I was like, you know, i I work out like crazy. I do yoga like crazy. I have a pretty strict diet. And, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in that in terms of just I enjoy the way how it makes me feel. And I wasn't always like that. I, I just recently lost a bunch of weight because I gained a bunch of weight. I'm, I'm a yo-yo person. So it's always up, up and down, up and down. But my biggest advice would definitely be not being afraid of putting in the work, not being, you know, going the first time to group. Like Scott, I'm part, I'm part of the program too. I'm more in my grief support recovery group because I now facilitate. But I go to AA once every two months. I need like a tune-up. You know, I need to be around some sickos. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing around. I'm messing around, of course. But I need to be around uh, other addicts, people that think that way. Because I'm I'm so addicted to just – I'm addicted to, to positive brain waves. So like I'm addicted to whatever makes my brain feel good. So like now it's yoga. It could be lifting weights. Football season for sure. Anytime I see the Raiders score on the Broncos, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with you, bro. I, I was good. I, I had to strike first. You had to I, get yeah. it in. I had to strike first. I had to strike first. But yeah, um, I'm just really proud of the work I put in. I'm, I try to be humble about it as much as I can, but like I still like to take a step back and take a look at the cookie jar and the work I put in. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's not about where I'm at now. It's where I can be. Yep. I'll end it with this. A lot of times when you deal with depression or anxiety, it's because you're focusing on either the past or the future, which are both out of your control. And when you're in moments like that, you need to bring yourself to right now and what you're doing in that moment. Because sometimes I'll have like negative thoughts that just like, will go crazy in my head. And then like a lie will turn into a truth and turn into cement. You know what I mean? Just from like someone not answering a text or something. And then I'll be like, you know what? Take a pause. Like that person might be busy. 
your your thoughts are kind of getting out of control here, buddy. Like you mm-hmm. started here and now you're getting here. You know what I mean? You're getting this started off with a fantasy football trade. Now you're thinking about your friend in a personal sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like I, I know I'm not alone there. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it definitely just being open to the help. And when it comes to like being present and not focusing, worrying too much about the future or work, worrying about stuff that you can't change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jay Walk, I, I appreciate your story, man. We like to call it keeping it in between here at In Between Media. But thank you so much for that. Guys, we are going to talk about some fantasy football tonight as well. Been a lot of crazy stuff happening all over the league. Just these last two weeks, three weeks of training camp, preseason action is among us. Guys, we're going to get into headline hijinks. This week, headline hijinks is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Super thankful to be working with them. Um, Nate, take it away here, man. Yeah, guys. So if you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy yet, you're really missing out. They have quick, easy best ball drafts to help you prep for the redraft season. Also, like some of us just really love to draft. So if you want to fill that drafting need, you can get onto Underdog. Like I said, it's best ball. It's no season long commitment. You just draft, set your lineup or let your lineup do the rest. They also have player prop contests where you can stack and win up to 20 times your entry fee with contests starting at $3. It's also very affordable. Sign up and make your first deposit with the promo code IBT and you'll receive a free $25 in credits to play on Underdog. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, guys, make sure you check out Underdog. It's definitely been helpful as we have approached redraft season a little bit. I'm excited to continue along doing a little bit more best balls before the season gets started. Let's head into headline hijinks. Okay, guys, um, it has been nothing but trouble, um, nothing but twists and turns like in life in, in the fantasy football scene the last couple weeks. Guys, starting off with just a devastating in- injury to Travis Etienne earlier this week, Liz Frank, he's going to be done for the season, misses his entire rookie season. Super, super, like like from an NFL perspective and a personal perspective, just disappointing. Great kid, great story. Uh, reconnecting with Trevor Lawrence down there in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. You knew it was going to be special. We'll see what happens here in 2022. Looking forward to that. Scott, do you have a headline for the Travis ETN injury? I do have a headline. I may have phoned it in. You be the judge. It's very straightforward and simple. Travis ETN, damn it. (laughs) Straightforward and beautiful. I love Um, it. No, this injury is terrible. It sucks. I remember when I first saw that he had been injured, like it's a foot injury. I was like, oh, please just don't be the foot injury. It's just, it's, it's bad on all fronts. You know, there's been this, there's been this back and forth on Twitter arguing about Jay Robinson versus ETN. Forget all that for a second. We were all very excited to see ETN play. We were all very excited to see what he was going to do in this league. At least I was. Regardless of what, what actually played out, it was he was an exciting player, and we love exciting, explosive rookie running backs, don't we? So, you know, I'm not any kind of expert on injuries. I know Liz Frank is very serious. I know it's not necessarily a death nail in his career, but it's going to be a little while. And whatever, whatever timeline had ETN dominating his rookie season, that doesn't exist anymore. And we're just going to kind of have to adjust to that. So, you know, and it's been on this, we've talked about this on this podcast. I I fell more in the ETN camp as opposed to the Robinson camp. Had ETN ranked higher, thought ETN would have a better season, thought he would get plenty of work. 
but I want to, you know, that never made me anti-James Robinson. I want to make that clear. James Robinson's one, I mean, he's he's my type of guy. An undrafted rookie that comes in, dominates, lights the world on fire, finishes an RB1. That's my type of player, hands down. I love James Robinson. I was just looking at it more that, you know, ETN was selected in the first round. He was going to get more touches. He was going to get more touches than James Robinson. Robinson was still going to get a pretty significant workload, but ETN was going to get more touches. I had, before this injury, I had ETN ranked at RB24 in PPR, redraft. So, I mean, that's not crazy. That's right at the end of RB2. And I think I had James I think Robinson. I was 26 on him. So, like, right yeah, in that I range. I had James Robinson right around RB30. So, I mean, I had them both as serviceable backs. I just had ETN a little bit higher. Now, obviously, ETN's gone for the season. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of kind of different takes on, well, where does James Robinson belong now? So, my first run through back through the, the projections, I have him at RB19. So, I moved him from RB30 rb19 so you know he's a pretty solid rb2 in my book the reason he didn't move back up to like say rb6 where he finished last year um first i didn't just take etn's projected touches and put them on james robinson's plate i don't think that's what's going to happen i did bump up his receptions and targets a, a, a little bit i bumped up his carries for sure his touchdowns kind of stayed the same because i think carlos Hyde's going to be involved now more than he would have been too yep well, and I think LaVisca is going to get more involved in that run game. Now. Well, that's the, and that's that's the thing. Out of the three receivers, I mean, I bumped them all up a little bit, but LaVisca, I just – I've read a lot of for, for whom the bell tolls. Our, our good friend Jeff has done some good work on – he knows Ohio State very well. He he put out some really good content on Urban Meyer and his tendencies and kind of these, these weapons he likes to develop, the Curtis Samuels, um, the Percy Harvins, that type of thing. And – I just, it's, it's my inkling that not all, but the, what I'm calling the Urban Meyer targets, you know, the Urban Meyer unique to him targets that we're going to go to ETN. Um, I think at least some of them are going to go to Visca. Uh, I think the majority I, of them end up there. Yeah. I bumped Visca up. Not, not extremely far. I think I had Visca at wide receiver 30 and now I have him at wide receiver 25. Oh, wow. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Keep, I, keep his ADP where it is. Cause I like getting him later. It's, it's amazing I, you know me. that you know i'm finding doing projections and rankings for the first time it's not always it's not always about him it's about who i have to put him in front of right you know what i mean that's mm -hmm. that's that's where i have a who i have in that range it's just really hard for me to put him in front of them so but yeah. i think he's a, you know i i think he's got that he's got that ceiling for sure james robinson my, my point about james robinson is you know he was an rb1 last year but he did that on so i made up a stat it's kind of silly i just made it up it's snap percentage plus percentage of team running back attempts plus opportunity share in games played uh divided by three averaged just average out kind of that those usage metrics i, I don't know if it means anything i don't know if it would be useful to anybody but i like it he has the highest i'm calling it give me the rock score gmtr score give me the rock um he has the it was the highest last year by far and it's the highest since Christian McCaffrey in 2019. So that's where I see last year, as far as a usage standpoint, was James Robinson's and really anyone's absolute ceiling as far as the amount of touches they got as the running back on the, on their team. So I am not knocking his talent. I just don't see any world where he gets that same kind of usage this year. So, I mean, and if you think about it, my projections now that have him at, at RB19, it's not really that many less carries than last year. And it's not really that many less targets and receptions. It's not ridiculous. 
but there's other factors involved. Saquon and CMC are now here again. So there's two more people that are ahead of them that weren't there last year. And once you get into the RB teens, it really like a touchdown or two, really the, the, the the projections are close. You know, if I, if I throw two of those touchdowns I have for Hyde over to James Robinson, all of a sudden now he's probably 11. So, you know, it's kind of a fluid thing with these rankings, but I'm not going crazy and bumping up to RB1, but I'm also not ignoring the fact that he is going to be much more valuable than he was before ETN got hurt. All right. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, in other news too, we have a couple couple quarterback battles that have been decided. Nate, obviously you're probably pretty excited. Denver made the right move realistically, probably going with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, and also um, the Saints QB situation still up for grabs, but it looks like Jameis Winston, according to Beach Reporters, um, he's got a hold of that job. It looks like he might be the QB one in New Orleans right now. But Adam Troutman, he was one of our breakouts. He, he's been a big sleeper of mine. I know we a lot of us have been high on him here at In Between Media. Wrote a little bit something up, up on him in the draft guide. But, you know, he's down right now. We don't know his availability. Traquan Smith's banged up already. It's just kind of a mess for New Orleans here. Kind of all the way around. Latavius Murray all of a sudden is a third string running back. Jaywalk, do you have a headline here for the Saints QB situation and the skills positions going on in New Orleans? As of right now, I call it a two-headed problem. I think in terms of fantasy, it's nothing you want mm-hmm. as of right now because if Drew Brees was playing there last year and they were competing for a Super Bowl, competing to go far into the playoffs, they still had a Taysom Hill package. He played at least 15% of the game at quarterback every game. So I, I don't see a world where they both don't play. And the, the only reason I'm saying that is I personally felt Taysom was going to get the job because he took the job last year. And I think that when you have the leadership thing at quarterback, you kind of have to give it to the guy that the guys will follow. But Jameis lit it up. He had a crazy game. I mean, he played lights out. And, uh, you know, I think if we're going to go full IBT on this, I think Jameis Winston is a great example of someone who had all the skill in the world, but he didn't have the right uh, team around him. And I think he had to grow up a lot in the last couple of years. Because people forget Jameis Winston wasn't just one of the top quarterback prospects in high school in terms of football. He was one of the top baseball prospects in high school. Yes, And this kid has been the golden child. When he was at Florida State, I mean, I thought this guy was going to be the truth. And then he had that freakish Oregon game. And then the crab leg stuff came out. And then he got in trouble again. And then the Buccaneers said, go F yourself. We don't want you on our team anymore. We don't care if you throw 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns. You still threw 30 picks and we missed the playoffs. So go go somewhere else. And I think he had to take a look in the mirror. And I think uh, he got LASIK, which is huge. And I think a whole year of sitting on the bench, watching Drew Brees, how he conducts himself behind the scenes, watching that organization, a classy organization, even though – the Buccaneers are, are a good organization, but the Saints, for me, actually, I don't even want to say that because they have a little bit of uh, skeletons in their closet. But the Saints organization um, does, on the surface, seem like a classy organization when it comes to the football. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that Jameis is definitely in line to – you would have to put your faith in him to draft him. I think you you could pick up them any round after 10 and redraft. In terms of dynasty, I really like Jameis in terms of a late-round pick flyer. Because if he does come in and he does light it up like crazy, because his per yard attempts are insane. He loves to bomb the ball. He has the 
uh, I don't want to be too brash on here, but he has a lot of courage. Let's just put it that way. He has a lot mm-hmm. of courage and he's willing to take risks. And I love that he's a gunslinger. He reminds me of Brett Favre so much that he's willing to just toss it up there, let the receiver go get it. And if we're going to talk about targets, who he's thrown to, I really want to talk about Callaway. He's enormous. I didn't even yes. look up his measurements, but just the freaking eye test. He made everyone else look so small. And he had two touchdowns. Jameis went nine for 10. I think it was like 150 for two touchdowns or something like that. And he balled. And Callaway just looked was schooling people. He looked amazing. And I think the other thing that, I, that worries me about that team is Michael Thomas. Because you can get Michael Thomas on the cheap. and But the problem is nobody knows when he's coming back. Nobody knows if his attitude is a problem right now. Because last year, if you drafted Michael Thomas in the first round, you didn't make the playoffs. Or else you, you had something. You unloaded him right away. Yeah. yeah. Or you unloaded him right away, or you got James Robinson last year, basically. I, I just kind of worry about the overall ceiling a little bit for this entire Saints offense. Like, obviously, we know Kamara, he's going to be a stud. There's no doubt about it. But, like, other than that, like, I think Callaway is a great dart. And before that, before the latest Traquan injury and the Callaway the Callaway, you know, breakout game. I had Traquan as a top 40 wide receiver this year. Kind of, you know, it kind of brings everyone back down a little bit. I was really bullish on Adam Troutman. He was projected out as a top eight tight end for me. He was blocking a lot even before the injury last, you know, this week. So I'm a little bit, you know, hesitant. Like, I don't know if the Saints really are a playoff team this year. Their defense isn't what it was either. So I got, I mean, I know we know one thing at the end of the day, Sean Payton, is a mastermind. He's going to use what he has. Nate, do you want any part of this Saints offense outside of Alvin Kamara really in redraft? Probably not. I mean, Jameis is going to be a guy that I'm looking at as you can get him on the waiver wire, unless you're in a deeper. Maybe like league. a, like a Q, two QB or like a super yeah. flex or like a 16 teamer. Yeah. 14. Yeah. 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 Somewhere around there. Like I'm okay with it, but you're, you're two or your single PPR super flex. Uh, 12 team. He's a guy I'm getting on the waiver wire. If he's doesn't get drafted, he's not somebody I'm going after even late round. Probably Camara. Obviously I like Callaway though, because I think the ball has to go somewhere. And if it's Jameis Winston and he's a gunslinger and you know, he loves to throw the rock and I think Peyton's going to let him do it. The ball's got to go somewhere. I don't, I don't, it does. It's a lot of targets, man. (laughs) And I, the the other kicker for me is I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to call it right now. Michael Thomas never suits up as a saint ever again. I wouldn't be surprised with you. And they're trading him. If you're happy with an organization, you don't ghost the organization for three months after the team doctor tells you that your ankle's screwed up, get a second opinion and then wait to have surgery for two months. Yeah. That was so bizarre. He has no desire to be in that locker room. He showed it last year. There's bad blood with the rest of the team. I mean, they're all calling him Slant Boy, and he's getting pissed off about it. Would you want to go back? I wouldn't want to go back. So, no, I think Michael Thomas is gone. So, I mean, initially I would have said Traquan Smith is going to be the guy to kind of take over some of that workload, but it's looking now like it's probably going to be Callaway. He passes the eye test, doesn't he? He just passes that eye big time. I have one last thing I wanted to say about this headline that – it's going to dial it back to real football because when fantasy, we, me and Nate, we, we were talking about this earlier. You have to go back to like, what are the realistic outcomes? Cause you can make projections that look at statistics, but like, you know, it really doesn't tell the whole story. You have to look at the per game stuff. So if I'm Sean Payton, 
I see the Packers week one. The Packers come to New Orleans in week one on Sunday. No way in hell are they going to know who's starting that game in the slightest. Because the pa- if right now I gamble on be- and bet on sports a lot, I would bet that the Packers beat their ass. On- Probably. In all seriousness. Yep, so if you're Sean Payton, you're Mr. I'm going to do the onside kick. I'm going to do other borderline chicken shit things to win. Playing two quarterbacks and uh, not announcing starters is definitely within his wheelhouse to sneak out a game that, that's against a team that's better than his, for sure. Yep. yep. After the Packers, they play. They go to the Panthers, to the Patriots, and then they're finally back home against the Giants in the first game that I think they can win. Because I think the Panthers will smoke yeah. them. I think the Patriots will beat them. Like, in Foxborough. No yeah. easy road, for sure. That's the problem with these quarterbacks, though, is, you know, I mean, we've been talking Taysom versus Jameis all, all offseason. But with their current offensive situation, to your point, I mean, even last year, you know, even with Drew Brees, they still have these packages for Taysom Hill. And with the depleted weapons outside of Kamara and Callaway, really, they may, they may get cute with that kind of thing and have Taysom in there for 30% of the snaps instead of 15. It's never going to be as simple as, okay, player A was named the starter, so that's who you draft and that's who you want. It's I just don't think it's going to be that simple with the Saints this year, unfortunately. And yeah, I'm the same, Kamara, Callaway. You know, I was pretty high on Troutman for, for a while this offseason, but I've, I've faded just a little bit, for better or worse. I've just focused on the risk with, what, 16 total re- targets in his career to expect that to just all of a sudden hit mm-hmm. because it's the saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just risky, risky to me. So yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting watching the saints post drew Brees era. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a new time in new Orleans guys. It's a new time at the in between fantasy football podcast as well. We, we have a little more news for you today. Sony Michelle guys, Sony Michelle, he's on the move heading from what looked like the bottom of the barrel of the new England Patriots depth chart all the way out to Los Angeles to join Daryl Henderson, Xavier Jones, James Funk, and the boys over there in Los Angeles. Guys, my headline for Sony Michelle getting traded for a fourth-round pick is Sony PlayStation Michelle is going to get played. I, I had him before this. I had him for about 64 carries, you know, not really topping more than 50, 60 fancy points on the season. And I think that all changes now. Like, Daryl Henderson before this was already – ranked statted out to my rb24 i was a lot lower than the consensus on him just because of the health a little bit i didn't project him for 17 games i had him for closer to 14 or 15 um now with this he's probably moving back a little bit you know rb30 i'm gonna say probably that range obviously james robinson gets a bump possibly damian harris as well but yeah i i, I think right now like daryl henderson probably isn't going to be on any of my teams i think he's still going to be a little bit overdrafted i see sony michelle Still like like an RB4, you know, mid-range RB4. Like, I'm not going crazy after Sony Michelle. Like, don't put him in the realm of Gus Edwards. Don't put him in the realm of whoever wins the number two job for the Saints even. I, I would prefer probably. Obviously, like Damian Harris in the New England side, he's getting a little bit of a bump. He's probably still going to be in that RB30-ish range as well for me. And obviously, Ramondre Stevenson, he's been lighting it up in preseason. And the one thing I do want to say to everyone listening tonight is like, this preseason has been kind of weird. You're not even seeing second string guys playing a lot of the time. People are being very cautious with their players, not playing a lot of, you know, death players at this point. So I'm not reading too much into Stevenson. I think he's still going to get a lot of carries. I think he'll have some goal line work. 
The bottom line here, though, is I think James White's really the value in PPR leagues. Before this, I had James White around RB36, the highest of the Patriots running backs. He's probably around that range. You know, maybe Damian Harris jumps him, but it's going to be right in that range. But he's a value at his ADP. But ultimately, outside of James White, if Cam Newton's the quarterback, I don't want any of these guys. But, I mean, Nate, we're seeing Mac Jones. He might have a stranglehold on the position. Finally. I told you. Okay. I told all of you. Okay, but it only took Cam Newton. uh, Cam Newton's anyone who's unfamiliar. He's been breaking. uh, It wasn't a break in COVID protocols, but, like, there was a misunderstanding with the roles of him seeing an outside doctor, I believe, of the state. So, Nate, uh, first, share, please share your excitement for Mac Jones. And then, Scott, I want to hear what, where you have Sony and, and Henderson after this. So, Mac Jones, so I'll preface this with I have a buddy who is a diehard Alabama Crimson Tide fan. I hate Alabama because I lived with a bunch of dudes from LSU and they got me really into LSU. So, you can't like them both. I don't like Bama. I generally don't like the players that come out of Bama. Mac Jones is different. My buddy told me, he says, look, he watches, I think he has the NFL game day package or whatever. So he literally watches college football day on Saturday between all the different games. He says, Mac Jones is the most pro ready quarterback in this class ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Trey Lance, ahead of Justin Fields. He's more pro ready than any of those three guys. I wanted him in San Francisco because how much better would that offense be with a guy like Mac Jones? 77% completion percentage in college. He threw 40 touchdowns in 12 games. Now, granted, this is Bama and the SEC, but it's not a weak conference. They always come out on top somehow because Saban and Magic and stuff, but Mac Jones fits that offense. He's not a mobile guy, but he can move, but he's efficient. He spreads the ball out well, and that's exactly what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are looking for. That's why Tom Brady was so successful in that system. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady isn't the GOAT if he ends up somewhere else in that 99 draft. His career path does not have the same arc. Mac Jones is that kind of efficient quarterback. And with Cam out, Ramondre Stevenson is going to get a ton of goal line work. We're going to see Johnny Smith flourish. We're going to see if. It's not really an if at this point. I think we're. I think we've seen the end of. You're hearing B report. I'm not taking anything, dude. Bill Belichick is a a wild card man. He is a different cat. I'm not. He is. It's true. So Mike Fiella on a show I was on with him last night made a really good point. Why would you pay Cam? They can. They can get rid of him. They paid him his salary last season. This season, his contract is all based on performance and game bonuses. So if they release him, they're not paying him. You've got Mac Jones, who has already shown he can run that offense. Why would you pay Cam Newton when you don't have to? When you've already got your quarterback of the future on the roster. Because you're back, your third strings, Jarrett Stedham, though, who's hurt. At the- but, but Brian Hoyer's your second. He's already, he's been in that offense before. Yeah, I, I do I, love me some Brian Hoyer. You're right. Yeah, you're right. and Hoyer knows that. Hoyer, Hoyer knows that offense. He knows how to run it. He's had to do it before. I just don't see at this point now with as little as Belichick is willing to put up with BS from players, which is why like guys like Randy Moss had their careers revived there because teams were sick of them. And he flipped them around and was like, no, we don't do this in new England. That's why they wanted to take a shot at AB because you don't do this in new England. Jaywalk's cracking up down there, man, over the, <laughs> over the Mac Jones discussion. I, I got to throw it to him. 
No, no, no. I actually agree because like out of Josh McDaniels' offense is West Coast. It's about getting the ball out within three seconds, I believe, right? Yep. Yep. It's like one, two, three, gone. It has to be gone. Like you're telling me Mac Jones has to be throwing within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, making smart decisions, has great play calling. It was weird because when you watch Cam Newton last year, it was like they're, they were running a Navy offense. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, well, which really was, it was super cool to watch. Like, I love watching football like that. But once you get to the point you're in a Seattle game and you just know what is going to happen and you just put every big person on your team on the line, it doesn't matter what you run. Your play's getting stopped. You put Mac Jones in there, you get some shotgun, or you, you have an eye formation and run a pro-ready play. Like, he can th- toss it into the end zone much better than Cam Newton. I would say – with Mac Jones, they have a much better chance of, of winning. And I think that team is completely different with him. Like we were talking about it. He just passes the eye test. Every time I saw Mac Jones, he'd always dive bomb the ball down the field. It'd be right in stride, but he has like a gut and he smokes cigars, you know, and he's, he's not as athletic or flashy yeah. as the other guys, yeah. but like the guy took every bit of advantage of what was given to him. Yeah. He had some of the best lines. Yes. He had some of the best wide receivers. Yes. He had some of the best running backs, but that's not his issue. He still made the best of his situation and absolutely ball. And it, it seems like the kid has a good head on his shoulders. So I, I, I'm rooting for him, especially in I'm, – I'm a Raiders fan, but I, I do have a weird appreciation for the way they, they conduct themselves in New England, for sure. Yep. Yep. All right, Scott, you, you got those ranks for us, man. You know where, you know where you're sliding, Henderson, Tony, Michelle, those, those guys after this news? Yeah. Yes. So, Daryl Henderson – I did have at RB22, and I honestly was not ever really comfortable having him that high. But that's where I had him. And I had Sony Michelle, I think, RB65, something like that. So with this, with this change, currently I have Henderson all the way down at RB29. So out of that RB2 group, kind of, I have him closer to Kenyon Drake and some of the rookies. Yep, yep. I think I have Kenyon Drake honestly ahead of him at this point. Yeah, and then I mean, Sony Michelle went from RB sixty-five to I think RB fifty-seven. I didn't really bump him up all that much. I think he's going to cut into the work just enough to where it's just going to be one of those backfields that's not very lucrative. I mean, this is another one. I mean, it's it's August. We're frothing at the mouth for live football. That's first stringers. So you know, ETN James Robinson, Daryl Henderson. Once Cam, Cam Akers got hurt, how good is he going to be? All this kind of stuff, but. I saw a tweet today. I mean, it's very, it seems very logical and somewhat clear that drafted Daryl Henderson next year, they spent first round pick on a running back. He got hurt. And within weeks of him getting hurt, they trade a fourth round pick, which is not a seventh round, you know, conditional pick, a fourth round pick to bring Sony Michelle in. You know, part of that is, is, is veteran, you know, a, a veteran presence. He's been with a good organization. You know, he's, his knees, who knows if they're officially shot or not. You know, he, he looked pretty decent his rookie year, Sony Michelle, I mean. But it's just kind of one of those things. The writing is kind of on the wall. They, I don't think they want Daryl Henderson to be any kind of a bell cow. I don't uh, think he has the capability either, Scott. Like, he he's missed a lot of games in two seasons. He's been injured, you know, uh, at least a third of the game. So I think there's a little bit of that for sure going on there. Some amazing discussion tonight about life, about fantasy football. I cannot thank Jaywalk enough for gracing us with his presence, his story, his advice today. I I took a lot home. 
Um, you know, I'm going to remember to not be afraid to put on, put in the work, you know, whatever that is in life, whether it's, it's fantasy football content or whether it's just figuring out who you are and looking at yourself in the mirror and dealing with some of those scary parts of life. So Jaywalk, I salute you for your story. Scott, same to you, man. Thank you. Nate, always a pleasure to have you here, man. Appreciate your fantasy analysis as well as your life analysis here, guys. We're going to be back next week. We, we have a special guest, Dale DeMont from Eat Sleep Fantasy next week. Rest of the season, guys, you got us every week. So stay tuned. We'll be rotating our third co-host out every week. So stay tuned with us, guys. We've got a lot of good stuff over in between media. If you haven't yet, check out our draft guide. We've got everything you need in there from your busts, your breakouts, your sleepers, all in selections, 50 tips for a better fantasy football season. Thank you, everyone, for coming along this ride this offseason. Guys, any final thoughts? Be nice yeah. to each other. It's not that hard, guys. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, We're real. all adults here. This isn't high school. Yeah, one, one last thing along the same lines of what we've been talking about. If you're out there and everything feels hopeless, if it, if it just feels overwhelming, hopeless, just know I've been there. I'm sure Jaywalk's been there. A lot of people have been there, and it's not. It's not going to be easy necessarily. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Sometimes it does. But I promise you there's another side of it, and it's much, much, much better. So just hang in there. Thank you, Scott. Jaywalk, final thoughts from me, man. Uh, so I definitely want to promote my website, uh, jaywalk.com, J-E-A-W-O-K.com. We are, as of right now, a weekend magazine. We cover pop culture, sports, lifestyle, and politics. So we kind of have our mixed bag. Feel free to reach out to us. And it was an absolute pleasure meeting you guys finally in person. These Twitter interactions finally turned into something concrete. And to anybody who wants to like write in the fantasy space, I would just say, make sure that you conduct yourself professionally. And as someone that tweets a lot of stupid stuff, I, I get I'm not the person to be like given that advice, but people notice. Mm-hmm. And I'll, that's all I'll say. People definitely notice and little stuff makes a big difference, especially if you, you say something that's a little... You know, if it, if it reflects poorly on you, you know, but mm-hmm. other than that, I want to just be positive and like, thank you guys for having me on. If you guys ever need an article, I'm a grimy writer and I love to grind out words. So let Thanks, me know so. if I can ever have the the pleasure of being on IBT. I, I would absolutely love to be on. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, appreciate yep. it. We'll, we'll definitely be collaborating down the road. Guys, final thoughts. Anything that we talked about today, whether it's fantasy football, life, anything you guys are going through, feel free to reach out to us. You can DM our, our main show's Twitter account. You guys can find us at our Twitter handles below. You know, we're not perfect. We're all going through this ride together, but uh, we're going to be here along the way with you. We'll be back next week on another episode, bringing some more feel-good life advice as well as some fantasy football advice as well. Until then, guys, keep it in between. The in-between fantasy football podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy-related.